tell your neighbors, tell all your friends. It's the answers you need to know. It's the Wyatt Sharp Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Wyatt Sharp Show. Today on the show, I'm joined by Berta Shager, Canada's Minister of Diversity, Inclusion, and Youth. She also previously has held the portfolios of leader of the government in the House of Commons, being the first female to do so, as well as the Minister of Small Business and Tourism for Canada. Hello, Baradish, and welcome to the program. Hello, Wyatt. It's great to be here with you today. So um, my first question is, why did you get involved in politics and what made you take an interest in politics and why did you initially want to run to be the member of parliament for the riding of Waterloo? Um, so I we kind of have a couple of things in common. I got involved in politics before I even realized I was involved in politics. You know, I, I think being part of democracy is important. I think our men and women in uniform, especially those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, have really worked hard for us to have um, the rights and freedoms that we do. And I do believe that with rights and freedoms come responsibilities. My family, my grandfather immigrated from India in the early 70s, the largest democracy in the world when it comes to the number of people. And I wanted to fight for certain things that are important to the the consciously more inclusive Canada that I want to help build. And so I started fighting for those things when I was 13 years old, things like same-sex marriage. I think our world needs more love. Um, and I think there is too much hate. So everyone should get to be their true authentic self and love who they want to love. I do believe we need to look at, um, you know, the root causes of substance use. And so I started fighting for the legalization of cannabis. Uh, because I think it's important that we have these conversations. And I was also fighting for um, dying with dignity, which is now referred to as medical assistance in dying. Um, so before I could vote, and that's where I didn't think I would run for office one day, but I did want to have a say. And I wanted to make sure that I could be part of respectful dialogue and to make sure that the perspectives of uh, young people like myself, because, you know, there's a diversity of, of opinions amongst young people, but I wanted to be able to contribute to the perspectives I was hearing. And I think that's where um, when an opportunity came to run for office, I didn't always agree with the previous government positions. And I didn't think that uh, people like myself were always being represented. So I chose to uh, run for the nomination in the riding of Waterloo. I won the nomination and had an amazing team. And we knocked on a lot of doors. We had a lot of conversations and the good people of the riding of Waterloo sent me to represent them in 2015 and reelected me in 2019. I'm born and raised in this community, so it's all I know. Um, and I always say as much as the world needs more Canada, Canada needs more Waterloo region. Um, and I think it's because of the tremendous people here. And the riding of Waterloo actually before I was elected, um, didn't have a woman uh, represent or be elected here. So it's been exciting to see some of the progress that we're making, but uh, we have a lot more work to do. Okay, and so youth mental health has um, become a big issue, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, what are some examples of support that your government has been um, and that your government has provided to support youth and, and their mental health throughout the pandemic and kind of working with the Ministry of Health to support youth during this time? So I would say you're absolutely correct that the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the whole world, all Canadians and disproportionately certain segments and young people are no exception. And mental health is real. 
and it's okay not to be okay, but all of us have to really work to take care of our mental health. And that's where our government has really stepped up. One of the things we did for young people was actually one of the first investments we made in response to the pandemic was the investment in kids health phone. And that was to make sure that no matter when somebody called or emailed or texted that there would always be somebody on the other side to answer that call for help. And even as the light at the end of the tunnel for the pandemic's getting brighter, we've continued to maintain those investments because they're important. In budget 2021, uh, there's actually an investment of $100 million to the Public Health Agency of Canada. And what that investment, why it excites me is because it actually looks at a culturally informed um, mental health supports. Because in Canada, diversity is our strength. And that diversity includes not just the shells we occupy, but diversity of perspectives, experiences, of regions, of cultures, of languages. And so I think that investment will actually help us um, respond to some of the mental health needs of our country. And something else that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau did that we've not seen any other Prime Minister do was actually encouraging members of parliament to talk about their own stories. Um, oftentimes when elected people, you know, we try to be um, I don't know. We forget who we are sometimes. And the prime minister has been really true to himself. He's been really reminding every single one of us to never forget why we ran for office and to never forget where we come from and who we represent. Um, because one of the things that I committed to do in 2015 was to be the voice of my constituents in Ottawa and not just Ottawa's voice in my writing. And I think that's where, as the Minister of Diversity, and Inclusion and Youth, I really appreciate conversations like this, Wyatt, that you're having so that people can listen to, but I also want to hear from you. I want you to tell us what do we need to do more of? How do we do it better? How do we make sure more young people are learning about the work that the government's done and also being able to provide feedback and insights? And that's where the Prime Minister's Youth Council is really important is because there are youth from all across the country represented. And the first time we had a Minister of Youth in Canada, um, I'm guessing you know, but it was the Prime Minister. So when we were in the third party benches, the Liberal Party of Canada, the Prime Minister um, named himself the critic for youth. Because when we pass laws as a country, it actually impacts your generation even longer than those of us who occupy those seats temporarily. And that's where it's important that we hear from you. So then when the prime minister was elected, the good people of Canada elected him to be prime minister, he maintained the portfolio for Minister of Youth. And just in November, 2019, he asked me uh, to take on some of those responsibilities, but he remains the chair of the prime minister's youth council so that he is constantly in direct contact with young people because we wanna hear from you. Your voices matter. And um, as much as you can't vote, you do have a say. And that's where I can personally tell you my story. I got involved when I was 13. I didn't have a vote, but I had a say. And, you know, with rights and responsibility, right, rights and freedoms come responsibilities. And I think a lot of young people like yourself are taking that responsibility very seriously. You, you mentioned about youth representation. How do you think that um, we can educate more youth to get involved in politics and, and to understand our political system here in Canada? So I think... You know, we are we are a confederation in Canada, so there's different levels of government that need to work better together. And I think what we've seen since 2015 is the prime minister brought back first minister's meetings. So he's speaking with premiers more regularly. All ministers are speaking with their counterparts more regularly. 
And as much as the pandemic has been horrible, um, some of the things that have come out of it is the prime minister speaking with premiers even more frequently, the ministers of health speaking more frequently, right? And the public safety ministers and the list goes on speaking more frequently. And I think um, we also see the federal government working closer with municipalities and regions. And I think that's what we can do on the government side. I think we can also be more relevant to young people. So if you know, if you look at the platform we ran on in 2015, and if you look at the commitments we put in budget 2019, and if you look at the response to the COVID-19 pandemic, the, the response to COVID-19 alone had $9 billion in support for young people. And that matters to young people. So all of a sudden they felt like they were being heard and were being considered. And I think that's important. I also say we have a new open, transparent, merit-based appointment process where we want to make sure we do better with the gender and diversity of Canada. But we've also committed to making sure that 75% of Crown corporations that are under federal jurisdiction have a, a youth representative on them. So I think the more we actually create spaces for young people, that doesn't mean taking anything away from anyone else. It means creating more space and having young voices represented. I think the more we can be relevant to young people. So yes, we need to engage more young people, but I think that takes all parties working better together. And for our government, um, young voices are top of mind. And that's why there's a full voice at the cabinet table is that we want to ensure that we're engaging and consulting and listening to young people because young people get it right in many different ways. And the approach of young people is different than adults because young people are oftentimes doers. Um, they're not pointing fingers and getting somebody else to do it. Young people take charge. And look at Wyatt. You want to be having these conversations? You started your own podcast. You're reaching out to elected officials. You're creating this kind of space to have these conversations. Nobody told you to do it. You've chosen to do it. Look at young people in the environment. Young people in the environment, they're the ones who are looking at what kind of products do they purchase. They're looking at what kind of carbon footprint they're um, leaving behind. They're not supporting things that are bad for the environment because young people understand where there is demand, there will be supply. So they're not demanding it. If you go to Fridays for Future rallies, it's young people who have cardboard signs. They don't have chloroplast signs because they know that has to go somewhere. When the government was talking about, um, you know, socially distancing when the pandemic hit, it was young people who said, no, we need to physically distance. We have to be two meters apart, six feet apart, but we can socially be connected. It was young people who dropped off tablets to their loved ones, including grandparents, taught them how to FaceTime and have video chats and these kind of conversations so that we could socially be connected, even though physically we could not be together. So I think that's where for our government, young people's voices are very important. We're going to continue keeping you front and center because as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says, you are not only the leaders of tomorrow, you are the leaders of today. So we're going to continue engaging you. And if anyone has any comments, questions, concerns, or suggestions, let me know. And for me, I always go visit classrooms whenever I have the opportunity. When young people write and send me emails, I often try to respond as quickly as possible because it's really about hearing what young people have to say and taking their input seriously. And that's something that's important to me and our government. Okay, and so I want to ask you specifically about a poll that came out um, the other day from Abacus Data, and obviously you're the um, Minister for Youth, and so I think it's important that we talk about it because um, obviously the reality of an election is, is that there's winners and then there's people who um, don't win the election. And so um, there was a poll that came out by Abacus Data that showed um, the NDP support among young people ages 18 
to 29 are higher than the support from the Liberals. So how do you think you can, um, and the Liberal Party can confront this? Because obviously youth, um, as I previously mentioned, is a very big demographic in a Canadian election. So how do you think um, that your party uh, will be able to confront this? I would actually say, first of all, part of democracy is having a diversity of opinions and perspectives. And I would also say that any poll that comes out is a snapshot in time. So it's not necessarily um, where people are always at. And I think for our government, if you look at our 2015 platform, if you look at our 2019 platform, if you look at budget 2021, youth and students are major um contributors to the decisions we make including benefactors of what we put out there so if you look at interest relief on canada student loans right so you probably know a little bit of canada student loans many students that go to post-secondary need to take a canada student loan they receive grants our government increased the amount of grants young people receive so that you don't have to pay it back because education is important and when it comes to the loan what we said is until you're making forty thousand dollars a year there's no interest accumulating on your loan because most young people don't mind paying back the loan. It's the interest that's compounded that puts their credit ratings and fiscal situation in a poor situation. So that's something that is important. We've also been investing in research and in our institutions to make sure that young people have state-of-the-art labs so that they are actually able to compete not only in Canada, but on the international stage because we are building global citizens. So I would say to young people who are um, first of all, participating in these polls, thank you. And if you see something in another party that you want to see our government do more of, never hesitate to share that. The Liberal Party of Canada is the party that has mentioned the federal government has advanced, actually came, and the federal party, when it became in government actually advance those because young people's voices matter and are important to us. And I would also say, you know, when governments are elected, we're elected to represent all Canadians, whether you voted for us or not. And I think that's why it's really important that people recognize that I am the Minister of Diversity and Inclusion in Youth. And whether you voted for this government or not, I am your voice at the cabinet table and I want to hear from you. I don't want to be surrounded with just like-minded people. I want to be challenged. And, you know, you talk about confronting this poll. I actually think having, you know, uncomfortable conversations is the way we build back even better and consciously more inclusive. So for me, I'm really happy to see that young people are participating in the democratic process. I want to hear from more young people and I want to make sure your voices are heard. And for me, when I was elected as a member of parliament for the riding of Waterloo, that's what I am. The Liberal Party is my party of choice because it's the party in which I can do the most. It's the party in which I can have respectful dialogue and bring more people along to build a more consciously inclusive Canada. It was the Liberal Party who appointed gender parity at the cabinet table. It was the Liberal Party who brought in a Minister of Diversity and Inclusion in Youth. It was the Liberal Prime Minister who was the Minister of Youth. And I think that's where for us, it's not just about talking about it, it's about taking action. And if you look at our platform in 2015, major components for young people. If you look at our platform in 2019, we doubled down and did more. Look at budget, every single budget 
has been about benefiting young people, including employment opportunities. And as we transition the economy, making sure that um, transitioning our skills and gaining the skills uh, for the workforce of tomorrow and today are also available. Can I also tell you one other thing we do? Sure, go ahead. Because we wanna make sure that young people are engaged in the democratic process. So you know, you've got the PAGE program, you've got interns that are now paid because we brought in policies to make sure people were not interning for free. The Liberal Party on the side, we also have the student leadership program where liberal members of parliament um, actually hire in the summer young people who are involved and interested in politics to give them that exposure and experience. And it's something we do to create more space because it's really important that young people gain the opportunity to uh, have these skills and all that kind of stuff that's important to them. And like, you know, if you look at um, Aiden, who's here with us on this call, Aiden joined my team a long time ago as a student leadership program participant. And today has worked for other ministers and now is now working for me as an minister of diversity and inclusion youth. So you just never know where your future might lead. And it's really important that we provide opportunities and that's what we're going to continue doing as a party and as a government. Obviously there's been a lot of tragic discoveries as well with the residential school system um, that have been coming out. Um, obviously the 215 in Kamloops and then the 751 in Saskatchewan and then um, I believe it was another additional 160 that were found today. And so um, just what should be done to bring awareness to these types of issues? Because lots of people, you know, they they see that, you know, these children were 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 found um, as an unmarked grave. But what should be done to actually educate these people on how they can educate others and how they can actually help bring awareness to these issues? So why I want you to know that I think all people are at different spaces or places when it comes to the relationship with First Peoples. For our government and this Prime Minister, it's the most important relationship. For us to have a clear vision of where we're going, we have to know where we come from. And to not know our history, I think, does a disservice to our future because history repeats itself. And so we have to, and for me, it was the recovery of these remains. These are kids who did not get to go home. Indigenous communities for a long time, well longer than you have been alive and even I have been alive, have been sharing these stories. And, you know, governments of the day have not taken them seriously. But for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, this is something that was a commitment he made and was a priority in each of our mandate letters. And it was under Prime Minister Justin Trudeau that we made mandate letters public so that Canadians could hold us to account. And yes, you know, a lot of the attention ends up being on, well, you haven't done this. But you know how people know what we haven't done? Because we're actually bringing it out in an open and transparent way. We're not doing government the same way we used to. And that's where every community deserves clean drinking water. And we have an outward facing website. So Canadians can hold us to account. Indigenous communities can hold us to account. And our government is not going to work in a top-down way where we tell Indigenous communities how to self-govern and operate. They are self-governing nations. And we need to respect them. And we have to have a nation-to-nation -nation relationship. And sometimes that means, once again, like I said earlier, having uncomfortable conversations. And I would actually say with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the report came out, um, Canadians um, who are not Indigenous 
have a lot of opportunity to learn if they want to. Ignorance is a choice. And so we can choose not to know. We can choose um, like we didn't know, but we do know. And we've known for a long time. And we can choose to trust people and to believe them. Because if we have confidence in our systems, people will be able to use those systems and processes to determine guilt or innocence. But we can believe somebody when they come forward and say that this happened. And we can make sure that they know how to go through it. So I think right now where we are as a country under Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is that we want to make sure Indigenous communities are able to have their space um, to, to do what they need to do, whatever it is. Uh, but the country has to face the truth. It is coming out more and more every single day, but we knew this. And that's why the TRC recommendations are important that we implement, but we have to implement them in a way that works with Indigenous communities. It can no longer be top down. It has to be in a meaningful way, two-way dialogue. And that's where you'll notice there used to always be the one minister for uh, Indian affairs, as it used to be referred to. And today we have one minister who's responsible for Crown Indigenous in Northern Affairs. Well, we have another minister for Northern Affairs, Minister Miller, and Minister Bennett, who's responsible for Crown Indigenous Relations. And then we also have um, Minister Miller, who's responsible for Indigenous Services. So what used to happen, because it was all in one pot, the services would be impacted, usually in a negative way, because of the court challenges that were taking place and so forth. But today we have created more space to make sure that, you know, one part is not being held hostage because of another part, because Indigenous communities deserve their services. Um, they have treaty rights. This goes way back before Confederation. And so it's been a long time coming that we do this properly and our government is committed to doing it properly. Some people want it done fast and we understand that that might be their, you know, own agenda. We want it done right. We do not want to continue having these atrocities be committed. We want to find a way where Indigenous communities can flourish and be able to not only um, succeed, but prosper. And I think that's where we will work in partnership with First Peoples. And I think the recovery of the remains, um, it's important that these kids be able to go home. And it's absolutely horrible what took place. And it's absolutely horrible that parents did not know uh, where what happened to their children. And I would not ever wish that upon anyone, but it is a part of our history as a country. And we need to, I would say we need to confront that history. We have to take responsibility for it and our government does. And we are committed to finding a way forward that works with Indigenous peoples. Okay, and as a final question today, obviously um, there's speculation of a um, summer election or fall election or whenever the next election may be. Um, why, uh, why should the people of Waterloo give um, you their support again whenever that next election is? I would first of all say that I have not, um, really entertain too much of the speculation in politics. There's a lot of speculation. Um, so I've really stayed focused on the constituents of the riding of Waterloo and also the people I represent at the cabinet table. My priority and my focus will always be the riding that I'm elected to represent. And I would hope that the, the people of Waterloo know that they are my priority. And I would say, as long as I have the, the grit in me to represent them and I continue listening and engaging and responding in a meaningful way, 
I would hope that they would continue to have confidence in me to represent them. And, you know, if that is not the case, I want to hear from them. But I also do have confidence in our democratic institutions. And so I do look forward to, you know, discussing what's important to people. But for our government, uh, the, the health and safety of all Canadians has been the priority. You know, from day one in response to this pandemic, we've made sure there was programs into place to support them. As the light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter, you know, we've been able to pass the Budget Implementation Act. And, you know, I think about small business owners the most. And even though these supports will go until September, we actually do have a measure in there to say if there is need for an additional two months, that that support be there. We will always work for Canadians. Um, and I will always work for um, and with the good people, the riding of Waterloo. So I'll continue to work hard for them and they can choose um, if I deserve to be reelected or not. Um, but either way, I'm very proud of this community and I'm going to make sure that um, once again, as much as the world needs more Canada, Canada needs more Waterloo. I think that Waterloo region is always part of the solution. We have an amazing community here that's always striving to do better. All right, British. Well, that was my final question. And uh, thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Wyatt. You keep well and safe whenever your turn comes. I know they're not vaccinating people under the age of 12 yet, but whenever they do, please do take your turn. And I want to thank you for having me for this conversation. Right. Thank you very much. Bye now. Bye. Keep well and safe.